Chris and Will here, and you know, you guys, we have a challenge for you, and it's all about the red shirt. That's right. It's been a symbol of pride since 1991. In 2020, we're spreading the message of diversity, equality, and kindness with the red shirt challenge across the globe. On June 6th, join the world in wearing your red shirt and help us bring us all together hand in hand. Go to kindredpride.org to register. Join us June 6th with your red shirt. Show it off. Hashtag RSPD. It's the show that makes us talk. What did the sea say to the land? I don't know. What? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> what about our life? With Chris and Will. Season 2. course is in another wonderful episode of what about our life with Kristen will how are you guys hi we are well we are still well we're still maintaining we're doing well and how about you mm-hmm. well this week we are talking about the making of creative entertainment Ooh. let's talk about the most memorable tv show ever yes let's talk about the nanny. Of course. <laughs> of course. What makes it memorable? Oh, so many different things. I know we've talked about this before, but it's quirkiness. It's randomness. It's physical timing of comedy. Just the different outfits that uh, Fran wore on there. Uh, the different... Uh, interactions between um, Niles and Cece. Oh, yeah. The chemistry. Yes. The chemistry was really good. What about the most memorable movie? Ooh, the most memorable For movie. For me, it has to be E.T. Wow. E. Because I remember like watching it as a kid and then re-watching it again as an adult. And it's it's like one of those movies that you just can't stop getting enough of. Like the Goonies and yeah. like Gremlins and... You know, other movies like that, Back to the Future, it, I have to say in, in mm-hmm. E.T. would be that. I don't know. There's many, many for me, but one that keeps popping up would be Follow That Bird. Yeah. I know it's a Sesame Street film, but I just, something about it. You know, it's just that. Yeah. Well, Jim Hansen's always had that that creative spark to him, I think in, in anything that he does. Yeah. You know, puppets have always been a big part of my life. So that's why I like Jim Henson work. So, but what about, um, theater like, uh, Broadway? Oh, wow. Um, I'd have to say for, for me, I guess it would have to be Zeusical because that was the first time that that was, that was different. It was like out out of my comfort zone of it was. musicals. Well, I've always wanted to see Kathy Rigby in performance, and she was in that show when we went and seen it. So yeah, uh-huh. I would have to say that is the most memorable. Now, have I seen a lot of Broadway theatrical shows? No, I haven't, which I would love to change that, but I haven't. 
Um, but I would have to say Susical would be that. Yeah. Uh, themed entertainment, like uh, theme parks. What would be your most memorable? Disneyland. Obviously, Hands Disneyland. Hands down. Yeah, Only Disneyland. because it's it was the one that started them. You know? I mean, full throttle started the theme parks. You yeah. know? Well, um, gosh. Um, I like Disneyland, but I also like Islands of Adventure. I think Islands of Adventure, when yeah, they first opened, had uh-huh. really a lot of dynamic theme to it. And so, with even with the Potter edition, it's very detailed, and I love yes. that. I absolutely love that. Well, what about uh, how important do you think entertainment is? Extremely important. I mean, what the situation is right now, uh, everybody's pretty much resorting to entertainment because with being in your home and stuff like that for as long as we've all been in it, you got to just find something to laugh at. Yeah. You got to find value. It has value because it gets, it's so emotional. There's so many different things and elements and you can entertain yourself, laugh, cry, get scared. And I think again, that's, that's an adventure right now because Mm -hmm. you're resorting to that. And we're also, I mean, I mean, we've been doing this, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot of others too that have been going back and watching movies that either you haven't watched in a really, really long time or you're discovering new movies from back in the earlier decades. They were like, oh, well, I knew that was there. I didn't quite get to it. Yeah. And you watch it and you're like, wow. Well, because a lot of them have stories. Yeah. They tell a lot of great stories. And there's a lot of expectations that come in them when they're telling those stories. Because sometimes you don't know, gosh, you, you don't know what's going to happen. And they throw you off. Exactly. You yeah. You know what's going to happen. And they throw you off again. Uh-huh. To me, that's creative entertainment. It's really good storytelling. And it's- and the acting is great. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't look fake. You know, when the emotions and the, all those different feelings or whatever come out, you know, you get into it. And it's like you're wanting to get into it. And But also, like, there are certain movies out there where you could see, like, yeah, I know. They're kind of setting it up this way, but this way. But as you had mentioned, Chris, those movies that just... They pull you in well, you in know, a good way, of course. Entertainment has evolved for over the years. And yes. I still like uh, shows and entertainment from the 80s and 90s, yes. of course. But they have some good ones that have been coming out. Yeah. And it's evolved because technology has evolved. Well, I, the ability yes. to, to produce things is a little bit easier in my head now. One that we recently before. watched that I will say I think we both highly enjoyed and really laughed at uh, was Isn't It Romantic? With Rebel Wilson. Well, I think everything about Rebel Wilson is amazing. <laughs> that was just, I mean, I was laughing so loud. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was absolutely. <laughs> that was incredible. a literal LOL right absolutely. there. Absolutely. Well, you know, when somebody asks, well, what's missing in entertainment? Sometimes I almost think it's the story. Yeah. You know, and if they try to make a point, they do it in such a way. And then some others are just it's like, like oh, it's okay. forced, yes. you know, like, absolutely. and I don't like that. I like the natural storytelling, yeah. if that makes sense. Well, you know, what does award shows contribute to entertainment? I think that once upon a time, award shows were there just to be there. But I think evolution. Ev- Evolution through award shows has shown that they give meaning, they give importance, they give that recognition to value. show yes, yeah, value. It gives value. And you know, yeah, there is some pretext into it. And yeah, you know, people do 
say certain things and politics roles in it, but you got to look past that. Yes. Because not everything in entertainment, it sees it the same way. And that's the same with life. And we've been talking a lot about that. But, you know, when Kristen will create projects, we are always storytelling. Yes. We are all storytelling. Even with the documentary that we've got, Mm -hmm. it is totally, totally storytelling. With this show, it's the same thing. You know, with what about our life? It is about our life. And you're getting inside our mind and our hearts and everything else. So we love storytelling. It's it's we're big on the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And when I write scripts or I write different things, when he writes music, it's all of something of what we've experienced. Yes, yes, it's real definitely. Life. It's totally real uh-huh. life. So you know, storytelling is a really big thing in entertainment. Right. Just like with Chris, his expression, you know, individually, his expression is writing, you know, whether it's uh, recipes or whether it's, you know, writing scripts, um, that's still an expression. That's his experience. Yeah. For me, when I write music because I play piano, but I also, you know, compose like dance music and stuff. Um, for me, that's my expression of not only my experiences, but around me too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you know, and that's, that's what makes us who we are. We're storytellers, Yeah, which is really dynamic. And we use a lot of resources. I mean, music is a good one. Personal experience is another good one. They all intertwine. Yeah. People we interact with the moments of where we are at the particular moment. I like to write with the window open like to get earth in my my groove i like to do all kinds of different things and that's how we kind of evolve with it what kind of goes into the making of you know writers really take a huge wave of how they build the story and they come up with things you mentioned it and isn't it i'm fascinating that when you open the window, a breeze comes in you get inspiration you know and then like odd example but like for me, I look at water, I get inspired, you know, because the breeze moves the water. Well, it goes in the behind the scenes. I love behind the scenes stuff. Not yeah. because I want to learn the magic, because I want to get the feel yes. of almost being there. Mm-hmm. And the studio tours do a lot of that. Yes. And, you know, yeah, Universal Hollywood does a grand tour. But if you are able to take the personal tours, which they do offer, like you can at Warner Brothers in some of the other studios, they mean more because you're you're physically right in it. Yes. And you get the feel of that. And I love seeing... And the landscaping around that yeah, studio. There's I, just something I about it. I love different costumes yeah. and props that all these different people had had worn and it been a part of their life at somewhat. I love that. And that gives you inspiration. And that helps you build with that. I mean, with the recent uh, episode of The Nanny, with the the reunion thing that we talked about last week, that, by the way, got a lot of grand hits. Three million plus plus worldwide, by the way. Yes. Um, it it took, it, I want to say, it took a lot of heartfelt energy to put all that together. Yes. And because of what we're going through, that helped. And I'm not saying we need to go through this for a reunion, but what I'm saying is, is moments like that, that you're engulfed in help rebuild certain things. Yeah. And that makes a great story. That show, that episode was so done well. Yes. I mean, the chemistry was just amazing. I mean, and think about it. I mean, for it being a table read. Okay. I mean, 
it's still it was like watching the pilot. Yeah, I mean, oh, it was it was oh, great. They did a wonderful job, and gosh. then when they went and did the inserts of back in the day, oh, that was even during better. during yeah, the different lines and stuff. They yes. did an amazing job. If you haven't seen it, go see it. You can get it on our website. Yes, and we have it on our website. But uh, it is it is phenomenal, and uh-huh. of course, we love the nanny and. And everything about the nanny. But, you know, when you go through sound stages, uh-huh. like we talked about this with them a little bit, is where they kind of filmed in the sound stages. And we're going to bring that up with our guest today. But some of the s- sound stages have the gold plaques that tell you yes, what's been filmed there. Yes. And, you know, one thing is I worked on a show at Warner Brothers and we filmed in this particular stage. And that stage now, or was, was used for the Big Bang Theory. And you hmm. sit there and go, oh, okay, my energy was once in that. Exactly, yes. And, you know, and it's you're a part of that magic. Yeah. So I love that. Yes. But take the personal tours. That's that's how you learn with it. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of people ask, is it hard to make it into the business? Absolutely. It's hard to make it in any business. But if you put your dedication, your devotion, and your resources, and you educate yourself on how to do it right, you will grow and you will get there. And mm-hmm. that's that's how you make it. It, it doesn't have to be hard. You just got to know what you're doing. There's a lot of resources and and there's a lot of ways to get out there now. Mm-hmm. So you just got to educate yourself to get to that point. Um, you know, there are a lot of steps in production. And, you know, we just got to take those steps. Again, part of educating. Yes. So, so, yeah, it can be hard, but it can also be easy as well. But today we have an amazing guest on our show. He has been a part of our show before, part of the Nanny Reunion uh, announcement. Yes. Peter Mark Jacobson Yay! is on our show. He <laughs> is the co-creator of the Nanny and part of the and the Nanny Reunion. He yes. helped put that together. He's also been a co-executive producer of the Nanny as well, as well as what I like about you, the yes. Amanda Bynes show. That's right. He has also been an executive producer of Happily Divorced, which also featured Fran Dresser. Yep. He was a writer for Who's the Boss, The Nanny, What I Like About You, and, of course, Happily Divorced as well. As an actor, he was on Murphy Brown, Beverly Hills 90210, Matlock, and he is also the former husband of Fran Drescher. Mm-hmm. As she put it, it's her gay ex-husband, <laughs> of course. So we are happy to have him back on our show to talk about his amazing career and, and so many different things. So sit back, relax, because Peter Mark Jacobson is coming up. We are honored to welcome the co-creator of the hit show, The Nanny, Peter Mark Jacobson. Hey, how are you doing? We're doing great. How about yourself, Peter? I am absolutely wonderful. I'm sitting here looking at the rain. My don't my dog donut is sitting right next to me and annoying me and wanting <laughs> to go out in the rain. <laughs> oh my gosh! So it's so it's is it rain rain or is it sprinkle rain? Because I know California has some different types of rain. Right now it's kind of rainy, sprinkly. It was beautiful 20 minutes ago, and now it's kind of rainy rain. Oh, oh. wow. That yeah, just... I know. It's very unusual. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's almost like Florida. So Florida has uh, weird uh, rain. We can have rain where the front yard it would be raining, and the backyard it would be sunshining. So I we... love Florida. I, I love Florida. I, uh, I, I've spent a lot of time there, and I just love Florida. 
Oh, oh we yeah. do too. Mm-hmm. We do too. Well, what part of Florida do you visit the most? Mostly South Beach. Oh, oh gosh, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love South Beach. And I love, um, like, I guess it's more North Miami. Uh, uh-huh. we're like we're like the Fountain Blue is and that area. Right. Absolutely. Uh, love it. Yo, gosh, we do Very too. We do too. City. Yes, we do too. Well, First off, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yes! Uh, we are so excited. Um, and uh, you guys have had such a wonderful recent release. I, it was, let me tell you, you guys still have the vibe. Uh-huh. It still uh-huh. had everything to it. I mean, the, it, it was it was still there. Even though it was it was not in full production, you take away the sets, you take away the costumes, the makeup, you take away all of that. Those guys, you all of you, uh-huh. just took it and made it real again, uh-huh. and it was wonderfully done. So, c- congratulations oh, on that. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. That's yeah. really. Uh, really kind of you. And you know, one thing that I loved about it is, Peter, when you were reading, you know, like the internal notes or whatnot from the script that most of the uh, viewers don't get to um, hear or see because, you know, they're filming the the TV shows or whatnot, you read it really well. I'm like, wow. I mean, I almost thought of it like, um, even though I was watching it, I felt like I was listening to an audio book. I mean, it was really well done. Oh, well, thank you. Uh-huh. I appreciate it. Yeah. That's very kind of you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> of fun. course. Well, I, I started in the business as an actor, actually. I saw that. Yes. Yeah, I, when Fran and I came out here, we started doing TV commercials uh, when we were kids and then uh, started doing television and film and in front of the camera and uh but i always was um, more comfortable in back of the camera right ah, okay yeah i i um i i uh i just it was just easier for me i was so i had a lot of self-doubt and uh and but behind the camera i felt much more comfortable right absolutely I mean, because you, because I did see you were, um, you've you've done episodes of Murphy Brown, nine hundred two one zero, and mm-hmm. then and Madlock. So you did quite and a few. I think episodes. he also did. You did a like one episode of Family Ties, right? Uh, I did an episode. It wasn't Family Ties. I did an episode of Facts of um, Life, right? Facts of Life. Who's the? That was who's the boss? Um, no, I, I did a lot of episodic TV. I um, I uh, and pilots and stuff like that, but most of it was just uh, you know one offs as they call them, where you go in one day, one week, mm-hmm. you, you do a part and uh, and that's it. Right, right. What exactly does an executive producer do? Beats me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say too when I'm asked that question. I'm like, okay, I don't know, but it's a good title to have. <laughs> You know, the executive producer, <clears throat> or as they call them, the showrunner, they're, they're the one that makes <clears throat> the final decision on everything. Right. Costumes, sets, writing. They're usually the head writer in a, in a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, so uh, they do the hiring. They do the, um, 
answering to the network, the studio, everything sort of lands there. So if it works, it's great. If, if the show is not doing well, it's kind of your fault. And uh, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot, a lot of pressure. And uh, But, you know, when we started The Nanny, my career in, in writing started really weird. I didn't want to be a writer. I didn't want to be, uh, um, but but I was kind of, it was much easier for me to do than other things. Right. So um, I um, uh, like acting, I mean, and I um, I'd come up with these ideas that people liked and I sold them. Um, and my um, my um, my well, Fran actually used to say, you know, you're on the wrong side of the camera. You you sell things so easily as a writer and a creator. Why don't you do that? So I had gone to Dan Aykroyd uh, with an idea. Uh huh. Um, the same the same season as the nanny, and it was basically uh, Reno nine one one, but years and years and years before. Uh, and he loved it, and he was going to do his first uh, starring role on a TV show uh, with this idea. And he called Fox, and they bought it as a pilot. And he said, I want Peter to be the uh, executive producer, or one of the executive producers. <clears throat> uh -huh. So I kind of went from A to Z on that one project, because he believed in me so much wow. that um, he, he said... I trust you and I trust your instincts and obviously, I guess. And uh, uh -huh. at the same time, we sold the nanny at the same pilot season. And uh, the Dan show actually got picked up as did the nanny. But Danny show, uh, it was a contractual problem uh, with Fox. And so they let it go, which I was kind of happy to let it go because I really wanted to do the nanny with Fran. Right. And so I was an executive producer. I went skipped above you know most people start as staff writers and they work their way up to consulting producers and co-producers and producers and then supervising producers it takes years and uh i kind of somehow just kind of became an executive producer immediately and that show happened to end up being a big hit and so you know it just happened that way for me my particular I don't right. know how. And, uh, mm -hmm. I kind of used to look around thinking, does anybody know I haven't done this before? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I was going to say, you know, we're the same boat. It's, mm -hmm. it's almost like it didn't really happen overnight, but it happened overnight in a sense. So we've said the same thing so we can relate. I mean, we haven't yeah. had big caliber projects like you, but we've had projects to where we've gotten through the door and we're like, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to slam the, the door in our face? Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have the kind, the same kind of feeling, and uh, you know, luckily the show was a hit. And I used to stand there; we'd have a Christmas party every year, and I'd stand on those steps in the living room and look at all these hundreds of people working on the show, and thank God, wow, how did this happen? And I'm so grateful, really, right. and uh, and that people still love the show. That show is, you know, amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, was casting for that show hard. I mean, obviously you had Fran, but did you have other people in mind for certain roles that you just either didn't choose or didn't go after to get and that you, you ended up with the character, the performers that you had for those characters? Um, it was not difficult. The, the hardest role was um, Brighton. 
Really? Uh, we could not. We, we found him like on the last day. Wow. Uh, it was. Yeah. He uh, he came in from. I, I he was living somewhere else. I think was. I forgot where it was. Um, uh, and we were going to the network to test all the other characters. And um, when uh, when you test for a network show, you bring in usually two or three for each role. Right. So the other choice for Maxwell was Michael York, uh-huh. the wonderful actor Michael York. Yeah. Uh, the other choice for Niles was Roddy McDowell. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and you go in, uh, uh, you go into a, um, a little theater at CBS where the network and you and studio sits. It's a horrible, horrible thing to have to do. Uh-huh, and I imagine. you perform the scene in front of all these people, and then you walk out and sit with your competition, <laughs> and they mix and match you, and then they say goodbye, thank you for coming in, and then you sit and you go home and you wait to hear. And wow. Jeff Zaganski, who was a champion of the show, a wonderful man and talented man and great taste, and um, uh, he had seen Charles Shaughnessy on a Murphy Brown and said, he's your man. And uh, and I was so surprised to say, wow, we have Michael York, this big movie star. And uh, but he he and he was right. I mean, Michael was wonderful, too. Right. For this particular role, Charlie was Charlie and her and Charlie and friend just had an amazing chemistry. Oh, they yeah, did. definitely. Yes. Of course. I mean, because Fran went was uh, EP this as well. So did Fran have. Uh, so did you guys have any say at all, or was it more the network that pretty much chose your casting? No, no, no. We had say in it. We 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 read every single person that came in with a uh, uh, that came in on callbacks with the casting director. It was um, Mark Hirschfield, Hirsch, mm-hmm. um, uh, and who's a great big comedy. He did Seinfeld and a bunch of wonderful, he's, you know, one of the top in, in the business. And April Webster, I think, took over after he left and uh, also well, both award-winning casting directors. And um, we narrowed it down to the ones we loved with Rob Stern and Prudence Frazier, who were the other executive producers. Yeah. And then you go in and you pre- you present your, your top choice. And um, and then uh, we all sit and discuss who we like, and we come to an agreement. I mean, if there was somebody we were like, no, 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 we have to go this way, yeah. uh, usually the network will say, okay, well, you know, it's your show, if that's, you feel that strongly. But we were all on the same page. It wasn't like, uh, you know, it just, as soon as they read, we knew. We all looked at each other like, well, this is obvious, you know? Right, right. Now, Benjamin, you were talking a little bit about Benjamin. And uh, he was the last one you chose. Now, I can't remember, um, but he was on, he did Captain Ron. Do you remember that movie? Yes. Yes. Do you, was, was that before or during The Nanny? Do you know? I, I'm not sure. I think it might have been before, and I think that's how we came in. Gotcha. Because um, that was going to uh, be my Madeline question. Madeline Zima came in because of Hand That Rocked the Cradle. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember she came in... Uh, I forgot who the actress was who starred in that, but she said, I can't. We made a joke of oh, Rebecca De Mornay, and we made a joke about her because she played a, an evil nanny. And, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> yes. And she was in the movie. 
And we said, and we made this joke. And she and this little teeny girl comes in, and she was so cute. And she said, "I can't say this. I'm friends with her." <laughs> <You know>? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so it funny. Was so sweet. Wow, yeah, she was adorable. Wow, and you guys shot it at uh, Sony Studios, correct? We shot the pilot at Sunset Gower. If you oh, watch nice. the series, you'll see that the pilot was actually a different set. It was uh, um, because it, we, they didn't buy a pilot. They bought back then what they called a pilot presentation. And Rob Sternin, who was the other executive producer, they put me and Fran with uh, Rob Sternin and Prudence Fraser, who are a team, married couple that were, did Who's the Boss, uh-huh. and said that they wanted us to work with them because they were experienced and knew how to run a show and, and had great taste. And we met with them and, uh, and, uh, we got along great and had the same vision. And they said, look, this is your show. We're here to guide you. We're not, you know, this is your baby. We're friends, we're friends till today. And, uh, they, um, they had a lot to do with, you know, teaching us how to run a show and, um, that way we started on this question i'm sorry no no (laughs) no. that's fine i I find it really interesting um only because what comes to my mind is in the pilot it looks like the layout of the house like the door is on the left hand side and then you know like the kitchen's on the right but then you Um, look at the other episodes it's actually flipped around which i think looks a lot better anyway so how did that happen it's a whole different set well, because when we did the pilot, they didn't buy a pilot. They bought what they call a pilot presentation. Right. And you mentioned basically that, basically means do 15 minutes and we'll see if we like it. But Rob Sternin said, I'm not going to make a, a – I'll take the same money and spread it out and make a regular pilot. And nice. uh, we did, but we didn't have the money to do that big glamorous set. So we borrowed a set from a different show that was up up already, and we dressed it up to be our show. And then when we got a pickup, they gave us the money, and then we built our set, which was much grander. And I thought, well, maybe they'll reshoot the pilot, but they didn't want to because it tested. It was, I think, the highest testing pilot in six years for CBS. And they said, leave it alone. Just do that. And then Jeff Zagansi called, because we threw together this little cheesy um, opening <laughs> just to have a l- look like something. And he said, I, I just don't like the opening. And we didn't either. Uh-huh. And uh, we said, we, we really always pictured it being a, an animated cartoon with a song, yeah. like the old fashioned, you know, shows. Right. And said, oh, I of like course. That and that's how the, that's how that famous opening came to be. Yes. And I didn't know that, um, that same, the, the same ones that created that, famous opening is the same ones that created the opening for the Rosie O'Donnell show. I didn't know that until I read that. Yes. I think she saw it on our show and, and said, can you, and because we were on, I think years before her, uh-huh. right. I think, and I think she saw it on our show cause Fran and Rosie are good friends. And uh, yeah. And they, and the way that happened was Fran and I saw this Capio commercial years ago and it was at animation and we said, that's the animation we're looking for, that retro 60s kind of animation. And we had the producer call, trace him down. I think his name was Mark Schneider. And uh, and they designed the look of it. Oh, nice. Mm. Nice. Wow. Nice. Now, here's an off-the-wall question, because you do a lot. You were talking about the differences with the sets and, and stuff like that, and you barred it from another show. That would probably almost be the 
reason why sometimes some shows, when you look at the sets, they almost look identical to another show's set that may have been years ago. So do you think yeah. that they kind of just replicate that purposely or is it something in Hollywood that just that's just what they do? No, there are there are like, you know, a lot of the old Norman Lear shows and stuff like that. Uh, who, all those shows, they they keep all the pieces of the sets uh-huh. and they, they put them in storage. And then when the set designer rebuilds them, they use a lot of the old pieces. They may repaint it. They may re-wallpaper. Uh, but like our staircase was from a famous show and uh, pieces of the set were from famous shows. And they just, you know, for money, so you don't have to, you know, spend $30,000 building a new staircase. You just use one that's already built and right. you put it together. And uh, it's just a more economic way of producing a show. It's, it's usually just dollar and cents, you know, unless you're a huge hit. The, the budget for Friends costumes were very, very little. But uh-huh. um, uh, and, and she wore basically, if you watch the show, you know, black tights and a, and a black turtleneck. And, and then the brilliant uh, Brenda Cooper, who won the the uh, the um, uh, the television Emmy? Academy. Of, what's it called? Again? The Emmy? Those awards? The, the Emmy, Emmy Award? Award. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus, am I getting old? Um, <laughs> the Emmy Award um, for 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 costumes managed you know she'd put different vests and different shoes and different skirts and but a lot of the base underneath was the same because we didn't have a lot of money but she had you know an amazing eye brenda to create this style for this woman mm-hmm. then as the show became known for the look of her costumes you know she'd wear you know six thousand dollar suits and ten thousand dollar suits and some of the outfits were so expensive, we just borrow them from the runway and then have to return them. Wow. Bob Mackey, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't afford them. They were just so, so expensive to wear once because she never wore anything more than once. But, you know, we explained it all the way by saying her her cousin was Todd Oldham and uh, and would make her stuff. And she got a lot of stuff at Lowman's and things like that, which was, you know, of course, not true. But right. the show, the costumes became its own character. Yeah. Now did she Which get the network didn't want? Did did she get to keep any of those outfits? And of course, not the ones you had well, to bring back. But no, um, you know, she kept a few things. Most of them were, you know, costumes, and they were they were refit to friend's body for the character. You know, all the skirts were, you know, ridiculously short, and yeah. you know, everything was very tight and built, and and. Um, not the kind of thing that you would even in the day they were kind of costumes. Uh, right. They were the costume ends of the haute couture lines of like Moschino and stuff like that. And uh, she kept some jackets and coats and things, a few little pieces here and there. But Fran herself really doesn't dress that way. She's much more casual. Yeah. So, um, so she she didn't know. But there's this this a gentleman on uh, line who's got this called. Uh, the nanny Schmata, who has uh-huh. collected every piece of the wardrobe, not the actual one she wore, but he's got, tracked down through all the designers oh. each piece, and he's doing a, a he's going to do a museum. It was supposed to happen a few in a month or so, but because of what's happening in Paris, it's not going to happen. And right. there'll be an exhibit of all of her costumes, which is uh, amazing. 
Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. The reason I ask is because um, sometimes some of them get to keep their outfits, but we uh, we knew uh, Rue McClanahan for a good while before she passed, and the the poor girl she kept every outfit that she had of Blanche Devereux. Her poor son, <laughs> her poor son, had to go and you know liquidate all that when she passed. But yeah, she kept she had it written in her contract that everything that Blanche wore in Golden Girls she kept. They allowed to give her, so that's why I was asking. Wow. Like, you know, not, some of them do that and some of them don't. But it's you know, I find that more and more they don't. You know, I guess because they don't want them, but for some reason, you know, Rue wanted them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, she could borrow. Well, we were doing the show; she could borrow whatever she needed for publicity and stuff like that. But like I said, most of it uh, was stuff she didn't wouldn't have worn in in her real life there were a few pieces i know she kept and that she still has a few coats and things from the show but uh most of it uh you know uh was just too costumey to wear right uh, no, in I real get life you. you know yeah no i get you now um you guys had was roseanne a guest on your show as well yes she was Absolutely. Yes, and I, I find that to be ironic because you guys tied with uh, Roseanne's show in ratings one in one of the seasons I read. Oh, did we? I don't even know. Yes, you um, did. The nanny tied. I, I want to say it was, I want to say, gosh, it was season, maybe season four. I don't know which number Roseanne was on, but yeah. uh, one of the years you tied, according to Wikipedia, I don't know if that's true or not, but according to Wikipedia, you guys tied for uh, one se- one season, the whole season, you tied in ratings with Roseanne. Really? Hmm. Yeah, which I, I found I to be remember. ironic because she was on your show, you know? Yeah, I, you know, um, during the time, we had some pretty amazing guest stars and um a lot of people wanted to do the show. It, you know, it was, uh, we had Elizabeth Taylor. We had, yes. Whoopi Goldberg. We had Beth Midler. We had Elton John, you know, a lot of people were fans of the show. So, uh, I guess, um, yeah, I, 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 I guess, um, Fran must've asked her or something. And if she wanted to do this part, cause it was not like it was more glamorous part, I think that she was normally playing on Roseanne and she was lovely to work with. I, I've worked with her on a few things, actually. I was developing a show for her a few years back, uh, and she was very, very nice, very smart, very, uh, you know, that was a, Roseanne was a great show. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah. It was. And, you know, it, it's still a great show because we still, you know, when we've talked about this before in previous interviews, you know, we look back at all those those shows that mm-hmm. were back in early 90s and, and you know, 80s and there was meaning to them. Yes. And Roseanne, I think, was so ahead of her time. That show was way so ahead of her time, I think. It worked back then as well, but I almost want to say it worked. It works so much well now because, you know, so many different people are in that uh, kind of life at the moment. I mean, you minus the pandemic, but it's it's still a wonderful show and she touched upon so many different topics and yeah. so many different ways and you know just like with uh charles and fran you know roseanne and and uh john goodman yep. were such so compatible i mean it was like you were almost looking at a real husband and wife it was it was dynamic yeah. so i mm-hmm. love that type of television yeah um i i love that show i i thought it was uh just phenomenal I, I, you know, 
it was just a, a great, great show. Absolutely. Now, another project that you worked on, and ironically enough, I actually worked on that set maybe one or two days. Uh-huh. I was, you guys were at you. You guys were taping at Warner Brothers, and this is what I like about you. Um, oh yeah. Yes, the Amanda Bynes show. I was, yes. I was working. That was my early years of working in Hollywood. I was working with Warner Brothers, and uh, we were handling your audience. And oh my so, God. yes, so I was on that side so and I had met Amanda and I'd met some of the, the, the players of it. Cause that crew for that show was just, it was family. And, you know, with most shows, as people don't know, most shows, the, um, the ushers or the individuals that handle the audience, they're from a different company or they're in house, but some of the productions don't treat them as a one. They treat them as separate and with that show, you guys treated us like we were part of you guys. And it, it was so magnificent. I mean, it was an amazing memory to have. So tell me about your experience on that show. Well, you know, I, um, I was brought onto that show by Karen Lucas, who I'm working with now on a new Netflix show. And um, uh, uh, she worked on The Nanny for, uh, I think, five of the six years or um, and we became fast friends on that show and, you know, just, we, we loved writing with each other and I love her work and her work ethic and she's so talented and funny. And, uh, when she became the showrunner of, um, what I like about you, she called me and she said, would you like to come on, come on and direct a couple of shows and, uh, be, a, be a producer, uh, on that show with me. And, uh, I was living in New York at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, yeah, sure, I would love to. And uh, uh, so she brought me on and, um, you know, it, they were all young kids uh, and but such talented kids. And Amanda was a sweetheart and so oh, talented yes. and <laughs> just a, and a lovely, a lovely, lovely uh, girl. And uh, I can't say enough nice things about her. And uh, and uh, when we and I think Karen and I run shows very similarly you know you you spend a lot of time with these people and um and you spend a lot of time with everyone on the show including um uh the uh, people that bring the audience in and right. you want everyone to be treated equally and have a good time because that makes the audience have a good time and you know and beyond that it's just nice to treat people nicely why why not you know we don't believe in the hierarchy thing or anything like that we just like people to you know if you have a good idea for a joke i've taken good ideas for a joke i remember once in the nanny somebody yelled one out from the audience and i said oh that's a great joke we stole it (laughs) Uh uh-huh well that's so good i mean Mm -hmm. it makes a difference it really does and you know the thing of it is is it's it really for me of course it wasn't it wasn't a hard job it wasn't a bad job it was a great job but the but you're so right, you know, the the way you guys did it and you treated us like family, it made a difference because it showed to the audience and the audience had a great time because we were having a great time. And there's only been I I, I say that when people always ask me, Well, is there a, is there a story that you can tell? Was there always a bad experience you had? And I go, Oh yes, there was. There was one show I worked on and me and the actor got into it and you know what? I, I just 
you have those moments, but he thought he was God. And I just, I don't agree with that kind of mentality, but, and it was being, I was working audience for his show too. And he just, he was just an asshole. He really was. And you could tell. I'm just curious. How did you get into it with him uh, as working the audience? Well, let me put it to this. He had a rule. um, You have to mention names. No one yeah. will know. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. You'll probably figure it out. Uh, he had a rule, and he his rule was is that no one could look at him while he was performing. And what... <laughs> yes. And he was one of those actors to where he, he performs behind a curtain. There are certain actors that will do that to where... Um, most of the people are behind the curtain while he's performing, so he they can't see him neither. He did not want people looking at him while he was performing. And so what happened was, is I was dealing with somebody in the audience and trying to get them, they needed to leave and I was trying to help them through it. And I was looking at them through a distance and he thought I was looking at him. So he made it known for him to come up to me um, during the taping with the audience to make it known that I'm not supposed to look at him. And I just, now granted, I, I, I left the company right after that, but at the end of the day, I felt, con- I knew I wasn't in the wrong and I felt confident the fact that I was doing my job, but I took advantage of it and I told him where to go and he knew, <laughs> he knew it. And so, but that's what it was, is he thought I was looking at him perfor- while he was performing because he was totally against that. Well, what does he do with an audience? <laughs> no kidding. That's exactly what I said, too. I go, I'm thinking, why do you perform in front of an audience then if you're afraid of people looking at you? And, and literally, he was. And, you know, I've only known, like, two actors that have had that problem before. There was one actor that did that on Full House that acted that way. And then um, I can't say his name because it would give away his, it, his, his name was in the title of the show. And, you know, he, he just, he had that fear, I guess. I don't know if he just thought he was that bad or, or what, but I mean, he, and then when, and another thing, a cell phone went off during taping. And so instead of him looking at his own crew uh, he runs to the audience and starts blaming the audience for a cell phone, only to find out that it was one of the kid actors that was standing next to him that had his cell phone on. And it's like the audience just the audience just looked at it and said, "Wow, he's a jerk. This was a waste of time." And it's like, "Yeah, I I feel that, and that's sad because they want to see this. They want to be entertained, just like they watch it on television, and then they get the personal experience. And it's like, okay." This show won't last wow. long. It's it was sad. That's crazy. Oh, it was. That's just crazy. No, yeah. I, I don't. We don't. Uh, we 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 don't run shows like that. We want people to have a good time. Everybody treated nicely. Everybody go out home and you know have a nice life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Life's too short. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Yeah. Well. I mean, if you stop and think about it, it's really the fans that keep those shows alive. I mean, it, it without them watching the show, then you have no ratings and you have you have no show. So why give them a miserable experience? They're coming out of the way to come see you. And, you know, and that's, I don't know. It was just crazy. 
But I will say again, I can commend that because with what about with Amanda, with y'all's show with Amanda, it was, I mean, the actors would go in and I can't remember his name. Uh, he was one of the lead male actors. He came in and he would always go play with the audience. He'd go right up in there and they just, they went crazy about that. And that's so good. They, they love that. The only other one that yeah. I know that did that, Reba used to do that when um, her show, one of her shows were going on. She used to go up to the audience and talk like that. And they go, they go nuts. They, they mm -hmm. love that stuff. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's show business. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've worked with people. Um, I, I've never worked with anyone that was like that. I've, I got to say, everyone that I've worked with has been very professional, very mm -hmm. appreciative. And, uh, and um, you know, just maybe I've been lucky, but uh, I, I, we try to make a very, what well, in Yiddish they have a word called Hamish, which means kind of like family, family-ish, you know, yeah. kind of group of people and uh, keep it that way and uh, make everybody feel very comfortable to contribute yeah. and know that they're contributing contribute uh, that they contribute something to the show too oh, they're yeah. part of the family definitely definitely and i'll say for myself um i'm a big fan of the show what about uh, what i like about you as well i'm a big amanda Bynes fan so when chris told me about what he had did i was just like you were where you did what i was just so happy about that and uh, actually, yeah. talking about that show, I recently saw one of the shows that you, um, that I think you either co-EP'd for or you wrote or part of writing the script for. And I noticed you have great timing with physical comedy in writing uh, of TV sitcom scripts. Where did this stem from? Was it from uh, possibly your childhood or just everyday life? No, I think it really probably came from, thank you, first of all. And I think probably, you know, Fran and I used to study Lucy and when we were children and uh, so appreciative of her talents and uh, that kind of comedy. And it sort of went out of vogue. And uh, when we did The Nanny, um, Fran is very good at it. Uh -huh. So right. we would write towards it. And um, uh, we had two writers on uh, Sally Lapidus and Pamela Eels who first brought it in on when she's like re resuscitating a uh, an imaginary friend. And she was so funny doing it that we just continued that path of giving her funny physical stuff to do. And she was, you know, Fran was never afraid to look bad or make herself look, you know, funny or she... It wasn't about the glamour or anything like that. She just wanted it to be funny. Yeah. So that was, you know, an important thing for her. Oh, yeah, of course. She's good at it. Oh, and yes. She is yes, she it. is. And then even when I was watching What I Like About You, the episode I watched, oh, gosh, if I can remember the main character's name, but one of his comments was, I think he was going to meet a... Uh, um, Amanda Bynes' character's parents and he goes I'm wearing cheese I'm wearing my cheese pants and he just kept on making all these facial expressions and just the physical comedy it was just so funny to me and oh, um and like just Amanda and 
they were just going back and forth with each other, and I thought it was great. So it it's a great well, reflection. Well, I appreciate it. That's very nice of you. Oh, say. you're welcome. So, what makes a good scriptwriter? Uh, some to me, someone who doesn't doesn't settle for the first joke, but says, says first you have to have a good story, uh-huh. and the story has to make sense. And once you have the good story, then someone who just doesn't settle for the first joke, but says, yes, that's a funny idea. Can we make it funnier? Right. Ah. And um, uh, so you may have to go home a little later because you spend more time trying to come up with good, funny jokes that will hopefully over the years last Mm -hmm. than just the first, the first, oh, that's cute. Okay, put that in. I always call that a space holder or placeholder. Now let's see if we can make it really funny. And that that's hard. It takes a while, and um, uh, but Karen Lucas works that way too. And in the in the long run, it makes me happy. Right, right. Some people want to go home, <laughs> and I get it. But I can't go home until I feel like it's right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think you'll ever go into film writing or film producing, or have you done that already? I've done a couple. I've done. I worked on. Uh, I did a. I worked on a couple of films and, um, you know, I, I would definitely do it. I'm not close to anything. I don't think people really think of me as that. They think of me more as a, a television writer and, uh, you know, you get kind of put in a box. Right. I don't have a burning desire to write film. Wow. Okay. Uh, but, um, uh, I do love, I do love what I do on television. So, um, Absolutely. you know, I've produced a couple, I produced, uh, um, I produced Beautician of the Beast for Fran and uh oh, and wow. um I did a draft of that and um Todd Graff ended up writing the the final draft and he's brilliantly talented and uh so yeah, I mean, you know, I like doing all kinds of stuff. Right now we're working on the musical. We've never Broadway, so I've never done that and that's turning out to be a lot of fun. Yes. And uh my condolences on your uh the music writer, by the way. Yeah. Yes, uh, um, uh, that's just uh, ugh, so so horrible. I he, he was he was in the hospital for a while, and I think he was in an induced coma, and um, um, d- just terrible. Yes, terrible. Absolutely, absolutely. He's so talented too. You know, he worked with Rachel Bloom, who's writing the lyrics, uh-huh. and. Um, uh, and she brought him in, and um, uh, he's uh, Adam Schlesinger, and uh, and he's such a lovely, smart man, and it's gone way too young. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, do you think that um, you know? Do you think that producing stuff or or getting distribution for stuff? You think it's a little bit easier now than it was like when you first started? No, <laughs> I thought it might be. I thought it might be, but no, it's just as hard. Uh, you, you know, when you you get lucky sometimes, and you get you get um, uh, people that are uh, network executives that are smart and know that's rare. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A lot of times, you you don't get that, and uh, that's that's difficult right um you you get uh you get 
people that really don't know what they're doing. And um, that to me is hard because you're like trying to, and they, they kind of just have the, the, the network list of, you know, questions kind of things. But I've been lucky also, like now I'm working at the, at uh, Netflix with these wonderful people uh-huh. um, uh, who are so smart and the network is smart and the, the, the people that are uh, the executives are smart and they give good notes and smart notes and uh, oh. thoughtful notes, you know? And uh, you really appreciate that when you're doing this stuff, because when you work with people who don't give smart notes, yikes, but Netflix is, Netflix is smart people. They give good notes. Wow. Good to know. Yes. Absolutely. So do you think that we have enough diversity in our, in Hollywood now? Or do you think there's not enough? No, no, I think, you know, still there should be many more uh, women, gay, uh, black, uh, brown, uh, everything. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, There should be more. It's still kind of, you know, that we're still stuck and it's better. Right. It's not anywhere near as, as, as diverse as it should be. Uh, we like to work with diverse diversity. Always, we've always had women directors back in the day, gay yeah. directors and, uh-huh. and people of color. And uh, you know, Fran. Uh, one time, we looked around at our set and we were doing the show, and she said, "This is a very white show on the nanny." <laughs> and and this was back in the '90s. And that we we came up with the idea of bringing in um, Ray Charles as Yetta's boyfriend. Uh-huh. which, uh, you know, um, and uh, that we wrote wrote them so innocently in love. And, you know, she wasn't even aware. You know, she was a little in and out of it. She wasn't, she loved him. She didn't, she wasn't even aware he was black. It was just, you know. Right, um, yeah. We made that joke where, where the the mother says, my, he's black. And she says, oh, no wonder, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like you know, but it was never ever mentioned anything right. about that except that, and the rest was just that they were a couple and in love, and uh, you know that was back in the nineties, and he was so wonderful to work with, and uh, I bet, and uh, I bet. such a charming. He there was a scene where he sang my Yiddish mama to her, and uh, it was very special. Wow, wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Peter, I have to say, you are an incredible man. Yes, uh, oh. you you're very talented, and Definitely. you know you you've you've brought a lot of light to a lot of different things, and this is such a normal conversation to me. It doesn't feel like it yeah. was an interview at all. I uh-huh. think you know you're totally being yourself, and you've allowed us to totally be ourselves. And, yes, you know, and that's how it was when we we've interviewed most of them, and. I have to say thank you for that. I mean, you're talented. You're 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 an absolute wonderful person. You've touched a lot oh. of the world. I mean, just oh, even you. if it's behind the camera, it goes a very very long way. Well, thank you very much. That's really kind of you to say, and I'm I'm, I'm I appreciate it, and I it's nice to be thought of that way by someone and uh, by you guys, and uh, I'm very honored and flattered, and. Uh, 
hopefully more to come and um, make a lot more people smile. Peter was just as remarkable to speak to this time as he was the first time we talked to him. Because mm-hmm. remember, we interviewed him and Fran Drescher when they came on our show to announce the recent uh, nanny reunion. That's right. What an amazing table read of that first episode. Oh, it was so wonderful. The dynamics were completely there. Mm-hmm. And you know, we are pleased and proud to say that we are happy that we were a part of contributing to get the word out because they got over 3 million plus plus views worldwide. Amazing. So we're happy to be a part of that. Yes. But we want to thank Peter for joining us and we want to thank you guys for joining us. Next Thursday, we have another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. And don't forget, next Monday, we have another great Stay Well special episode. Yes. So you want to join us for that. You can check out everything about us in our calendar and all the great stuff we got going on on our website. ChrisandWill.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Chris.and.will. And be sure to tell everybody about us because we love to keep you staying well and entertaining you. We enjoy it. Absolutely. Yes. So thank you, Peter, for joining us. Thank you guys for joining us. And remember, guys, to love yourselves because the world will love you in return. We'll see you back here next week for some more great episodes. So for now, we got to go. Bye. Bye.